Hey there, celestial dreamers. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we don't know, yo. We don't know anything. Um, but we... we've been studying it for years. <laughs> yo, I was going to say, <laughs> we've been studying nothing for years. So we're experts on nothing. That's not true. We're experts on things that just don't entirely um, make sense. Um, well, they do make sense. Yeah, they do actually make sense. <laughs> Do we need to rethink our whole branding? Oh my God, do we? No, I mean, I think we're pretending like not all of it makes sense. Like the source of all things makes sense and the process through which it all makes sense. But tarot makes sense to me. Astrology makes sense. Yeah, but also it can't entirely be explained. No. Like why does it work? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like I I was saying this to a, a... a client the other day, I was like, I mean, I don't know if there's like literal like rays of energy beaming through the universe and atmosphere from Mercury into all of us. Probably not, but I don't know. But sometimes it feels that way. It sure does. I mean, ever since we ate mushrooms here at the house, I just like can't look at those mountains in the same <laughs> way because they were just like dripping energy. And now when I look at them, I just... I don't see the dripping of the energy, but I do remember seeing the dripping of the energy and I'm like trying to see it, but I, you know, like you can't cause I'm not on mushrooms anymore. I can. Can you? Mm-hmm. Or like the trees that were doing certain magnificent things. I like look at them and I'm like, oh, do that. Reveal yourself to me in that way. But they, they don't. I'm sorry. I know when you said a raise of energy, it just got me thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, it's all an energy highway, right? Everything and everyone. An energy highway. Yeah. I'd like an energy rest stop, please. <laughs> well. Like to pull off the energy highway and go visit the energy vending machine. I mean, isn't that an app? Sit on the energy picnic bench and just look out at the energy ocean. Yeah. All right. Well, take a nap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. All right, so we're back. Brandon took a nap. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Oh, it's so good, you guys. All right, who are we? I'm Brandon Alter. I'm a spiritual healer. I'm a tarot reader and teacher. I'm an astrologer. And I'm also a mystic and a writer and a performer. And your husband. Yes. And who are you, boo-boo? I am Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a producer of contents. I am a astrologer. A queer witch, queeler, an Aries. Brujo. With a Cancer Moon and a Taurus Rising. Brujo. And your husband. And in a past life, one of the very first astrologers. Yes. So all those things. And possibly Joan of Arc. I don't think I was Joan of Arc. Oh, you just think you were? Everybody thinks they were Joan of Arc. Well, maybe we all were. I mean, pieces of. You know, I was having this very interesting conversation with somebody, but I can't remember who because, you know, Aquarius. Uh, But the idea that past lives are not lived linearly. Like time, even though we experience it chronologically, doesn't mean that your soul experiences lives in that order. So who's to say that your next life isn't going to be back in Egyptian times? Or that 
you have already lived a future life and then you came back here to 2020 just to experience this shit show again for whatever reason. That's some Aquarius shit. Right but there. I think it actually makes a lot of sense when we think that all of time and space exists simultaneously. And in some ways, all potential outcomes have already been written and that we get to experience them in ways that make sense for our soul's journey. And that may not always be in a linear fashion, you know, like perhaps the thing that you really need to learn only comes from the combination of like a contemporary life and then going back to medieval times and then going back to paleolithic times and then like jumping all the way into like 23, 24, you know? Wow. I feel like you just described like the career of Glenn Close. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> She's really living. She really is. <laughs> I feel like she set herself free recently. Yeah. I mean, maybe she's always been free, but she seems very free these days, and I like it. Well, it's just because we have a like a view into her life now in a way that we didn't through her Instagram. She's so active on Instagram. <laughs> so I think that's part of it. Good for her. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think that's interesting what you're saying. It definitely... Um, I guess I... My brain doesn't work like an Aquarian's brain, so I... I never really ponder the idea of uh, existence happening in multiple dimensions, places, in multiple dimensions uh, simultaneously. Um, you know, I'm just trying to like get through the day. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I find that fascinating. Yeah, I just mean your past lives might not just be in the past. They right. might also be in the future. Yeah. The moon's in Aquarius today. Well, and who's to say, like, what's the, like, makeup of a soul? You know, like, if you take, like, the concept of, like, soul parts, mm -hmm. like, are we made up of, like, soul parts in each lifetime? You know, like, so, yeah. we, did we share lifetimes with other people? I think parts of your soul might have been reconfigured with parts of other people's soul. Right. At least that's my personal view that's informed by Kabbalah, which is the idea of like different aspects of the soul that at death get separated and then they combine in different ways. Yeah. Well, that goes with my like astrological viewpoint on things that we are essentially like stardust, right? Mm -hmm. As those sayings go. And when we pass, we... Our energy becomes part of a constellation, which we share with other people's soul energy. And then that's kind of where we are then taken and brought back to earth. So there's been a commingling, which is why we feel connected to other people. It's because we're from the same constellation. Totally. The same cosmic soil. Mm -hmm. But again, let us remind you. We don't know. We know nothing. <laughs> These are the things that go through my head. Should we check in with each other? Yeah. How are you doing today? Today is a good day. I am fine. <laughs> Just uh, finishing cleaning up. We are like in full spirit school teacher mode right now. We have both our uh, chart and soul course going and our advanced tarot magic course going. Yeah. Um, Which is very exciting. It's really exciting. It's just exciting to have like so many 
Amazing different kinds students. of students. Yeah. yeah. It's like fun to just be interacting with all of these different people on a weekly basis. And diving back into the material because it just like gets deeper and richer. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So having just gone back, you know, cause we've taught this course before, I like to go back and review the notes, but also just amend anything based off of things that have come up. Um, so I was just working on that this morning, which was honestly a lot of fun just to kind of dig back in. I'm very excited to be yeah, leading this class, helping expand people's excitement about astrology um, and the tarot. Yeah. But yeah, I'm honestly, I'm doing okay. You know, this is a pretty uh, intense week for me. We finally have the service for my dad this week, which has taken, I mean, it will have been two months since he passed, um, which is just like such a prolonging of the grief. And I, I'm understanding and having spoken to like some friends who have, you know, experienced like close passings and have really ex explored grief. Cause I really haven't, I've had people in my life pass, but obviously not this close to me and not a parent. Um, it's a very, it's just interesting how it comes up when it comes up. And I was going to say, you know, having spoken to people, finding out that it is really kind of like a long lifelong <laughs> process probably but just this like immediate passage of it just having like felt it uh, stretch out has not been easy so I am simultaneously looking forward to honoring and celebrating my dad but at the same time I'm like not looking forward to having to like dive back into that deep ass well mm. but i also don't know what it will be and um but all that to say you know i'm just like feeling the things and um well i also imagine it'll be a relief just to have all of the work that goes along with burying somebody behind you yeah like the stuff that you've had to do like writing an obituary or organizing what clothes he's going to be buried in like yeah it's just yeah it, it adds a lot of just um of more components to the emotional soup yeah and i feel like it's more painful than it would be if you were just like doing it really quickly in a state of grief shock if this were happening like the week after he passed right and then you could just kind of like be in your life and like be feeling all the things as you're moving forward right um but yeah we haven't we were kind of stalled and kind of stuck in the emotion of it and then like pushed into like movement um but all that to say i mean it's it's going to um you know be an interesting experience it will be good to come together with my family around it and i just want to get to the other side of it though and i do have to speak um you know not like long or anything but um just preparing myself for that too to know that I have a short window of time to say everything I would want to say publicly about my dad honest, you know, obviously like I've been able to like post about it on social media, but to just like stand up in front of like the room full of people who all really loved and adored him and to kind of distill down like the core of our relationship and who he was. Um, that's a lot, but I'm gonna work it out. 
that's also where I get, you know, very spiritual about it. And I'm like, it's already been written. It's already been said. Like, let me not stress out about it. Like I'm partnering with all the divine things and, and now just really starting to also try and like figure out what my relationship with his, with him is now. But yeah, it still fucking sucks. Like I still like think about him like, fuck, like I can't believe that dude's gone. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of like the main emphasis of where I'm at emotionally right now. But, um, but we'll talk about, we'll do a cosmic update and we'll talk about also just like all the beginnings energy that is around. So, you know, it's a very interesting time, but, uh, glad to be here. That's for sure. On planet earth? Planet earth, in this house, in this room, in this life. Like I feel good. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm grateful. I'm really excited for the like 30 minute mariachi concert that's going to conclude the service. Are you? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. The only thing I'm not excited about is if I'm going to be standing for that whole period of time and how hot (laughs) it's going to be in a black suit. Yeah, that's not going to be fun. But sometimes physical discomfort is good for the grief process. And weight loss. (laughs) You know, just those extra pounds we've been trying to get rid of. Nothing like sweating them off. Oh my God. Well, I was really concerned that I wasn't going to fit into my suit for the funeral and I'd been putting it off and I put it off way too long because if I couldn't fit into it, there was nothing I was going to be able to do. But I just tried on the pants today and they fit. So Yeah, I'm sure you're fine. I mean, but those suit pants are skinny and tight, you know, like I bought them at the peak of my flock on this. So (laughs) I was nervous. (laughs) I mean, I didn't like try tucking a shirt in or anything, but I think I'll, I think it'll be okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing mine by like, I don't know, by the thinnest hair, the thinnest hair. Yeah. I might need to like go out and buy a shoehorn so you can fully secure me into it. Yeah. Just to fully secure me in. Put some safety pins in my pocket. (laughs) Um, How are you, honey? I'm alive. I think I said that last episode. I'm fine. You know, it's like such an interesting space to be in. And it feels very much like the astrology, like in between Pisces and Aries, like in between endings and beginnings. I mean, I think it's okay if I share that we got our first shot of the vaccine So I'm definitely feeling a little less anxiety just in terms of like going out into the world. Not that we've really gone out into the world, but we did go to Home Goods uh, to buy some pillows. Now you're really looking for that sponsorship for the new bed. And Home Goods is my happy place, everybody. So to get to go there was pretty amazing. But, you know, like a month ago, I had like almost a panic attack in Trader Joe's. So I wasn't sure what it was going to be like to go into Home Goods. And having that first shot just like psychologically allowed me to just like be present to like not be spinning out. And so I am feeling this kind of opening of like, oh, like going out into the world and the idea that in a couple of weeks we could even potentially make plans. And simultaneously I'm feeling all of the things that are still like unresolved in me, like all of the healing and tending that needs to be done, body, mind, and heart just in response to what we've lived through, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm also feeling like my stamina for things that I used to have like a really robust stamina for are no longer. So we had some friends over uh, outside 
and, you know, masks on the whole thing. And I'm just like, my stamina for social engagement is so limited. Like after about an hour and a half, two hours, like I'm kind of cooked, like my goose is cooked. And I wonder if part of that is just like based on like our classes, you know, are only like 90 minutes or two hours. My readings are only like 70 minutes, 80 minutes. But it's like after that period of time, I kind of need to like reset. Like I can't keep going. And it was just very interesting to observe that I was kind of like, all right, like, (laughs) bye. I love you all, but like, (laughs) bye. Like, thank you. I need to reset. Yeah. So I just think it'll be really interesting to observe the new ways in which I want to engage. Mm-hmm. And giving myself permission to engage in new ways and not forcing myself to go back into the old grind. Yeah. So that's that's partially where I am. And just really like tempering my Aries rising excitement and like, that's a good idea. Let me say yes to that. But also my like Aquarius sun Capricorn moon that when that like thing actually rolls around, probably doesn't want to do it in the first place. And so just like being really honest with myself about what I actually want to do and and what is just kind of like a good idea. Wow. That's not a good reality. That's a good lesson to learn. Yeah, I think so. For sure. You're alive. I'm alive. (laughs) I'm really excited about our logo, which is coming along so nicely. We've been trying to get that going for a long time. And we just got like the most recent pass by our amazing designer and it's really coming alive. And so that's really infusing me with some excitement too. Oh, good. All right, yo. Well, shall we keep this train rolling? Let's keep this train rolling. All right. Well, let's uh, give you your bi-weekly cosmic update. All right, y'all. So... As we were kind of talking, we are in the thick of airy season. The throes of it. But we are still in a bit of a liminal space, or have been, I think really up until um, recently. But I actually think, and I say that because we still had Mercury and Pisces, so we still had kind of that like catch up that was occurring as far as like getting things into the, the next you know, chapter, but I really feel like we're kind of waiting until this Aries new moon on April 11th to really feel like we're fully like full steaming ahead. You know, there's something to getting that moon sun combination of the Aries energy that I think really ignites the flame Mm -hmm. fully. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, especially because so much of astrology is built around like the moon and the moon cycles. Yeah. So. And the new moon has Mercury pretty close to the sun and the moon, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like everything's catching up together. Yeah. Well, I believe it has Venus very close. Mercury will still be a little bit. Um, behind. You know, yeah. A little bit behind. Um, but with closer a shout-in distance. Closer to Chiron, who's also in Aries. So it's a lot of Aries energy. Um, at once, which we haven't had in quite some time. Uh, So I think it will be really nice. And it also happens at 22 degrees, which if you think back to the beginning of 2020, when we had Saturn and Pluto conjunct. 22 degrees Capricorn. They were at 22 degrees. 
So there is a bit of a, a challenging energy there, right? Of like push forth, like take what you got from last year and like run with it. You know, like we have been in a lot of processing since then, but now I do feel like there is a real like charge. Yeah. So I think we can just like dial in deeply to just those words that um, empower the Aries sign, you know, initiation, courage, bravery, um, beginnings, as we say, and really find where in our lives we need to apply those things more specifically, um, you know, those Aries parts of our lives, um, depending on where you have Aries in your chart. Um, but just in general, I think we're all kind of in this liminal state of like endings and beginnings, lots of things coming to a close while simultaneously seeing new things starting to open up, um, presenting us options to act in a new way, you know, based off of all we've learned about ourselves over the last year, to propose things in a new way, to approach projects or uh, relationships in a new way. You're proposing again? <laughs> yes. Not right here. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> but also not again because you proposed. I know. So now it's my turn to be proposed to. <laughs> Is that what you want? Yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be great. <laughs> All right. For our five year, you want me to propose? Mm -hmm. And then you want to, what, want to do a vow renewal ceremony? No, no I was going to say renewals. kiss of death. No, we're not doing a vow renewal. I ain't Shannon Bador. But I'd love to throw a big party. I would love to throw a big party. But that seems a little dicey still this year. But it'll be in November. All right. Well, let's... We can ponder it. Yeah, let's plant that seed. But anyhow, I think that is the idea of, you know, planting the seeds right now. It is Aries, you know? So it's that like springtime what you're um, saying about mentality. Like, yeah, courage and bravery and like being brave enough to say like, maybe we could have a party in November. Right. Like being brave enough to have a dream and to go after it. Yeah, Aries is all about the inspiration, right? Like what you feel intuitively inspired to act toward and taking those first steps. We'll then get into Taurus season and that's where you can actually start to like lay the foundation and physically build it. But you get to kind of play and explore, throw things out there, say things that you realize you don't really mean later, you know? You're right. I don't want to have a party. <laughs> Too many people. It can only be two hours because then I would tap out afterwards. Totally. Well, I was thinking about how, you know, Mars, the ruler of Aries is, you know, Mars is the planet of you know how you get into trouble. Oh, shit. You know, like you can look to your Mars sign and be like, oh, I get into trouble this way. Got it. You know, so I think already, yeah, the idea of anyone who's like a bit more Mars ruled might, you know, get themselves into trouble a little easily. In right. elementary school, I had this best friend, Derek, and he was such a little troublemaker, but I was always the one that would get in trouble because <laughs> I have Mars and Aries in the first house. So like I was just louder about it. And in Aries rising, so you just presented as trouble. And totally. Whereas like he was so much like more devious and crafty, but he was like so under the radar about it that he always got away with it. And I always got pegged. Even if like, like if he was the one that like, made the snarky comment in class and I was just like laughing about it. I was the one that got yelled at. <laughs> so, yeah. What happened to Derek? Honestly, I follow him on Instagram. He's a professional surfer. Seems like oh. he's doing great. Oh, good. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he travels the world. Letting other people get in trouble for him? Yeah, I mean, we fell out of touch a long time ago because that was pre-puberty and then 
puberty happened and I was gay and he wasn't gay and you just couldn't be friends anymore. Two roads diverged <laughs> in a non-binary wood. And sadly, right. I, I tried to take them both. Yes. Fell to the gay straight treaty of 1877. What can I say? We're not allowed to be friends. Nope. Um, but anyhow, I mean, I think that's kind of the big space to be in right now. You know, Mars is uh, still in Gemini, you know, so we're, we're, we're being supported to act and move. There is like an excitement, uh, a curiosity uh, to follow. Still hard to like stick the landing mm -hmm. on some things. So really not like forcing things into existence as opposed to kind of like just kind of following the path and moving toward what compels you, I think is, is of value. I think also really important to remember the word instinct for Aries. Oh. And to allow yourself into instinct mode to follow your impulses a bit. And um, I think sometimes like just the idea of being impulsive has a negative connotation, but I think there's like so much value to following your impulses and seeing what's down the road and around the way, you know, might get you into trouble, but it also might uncover some new beautiful landscape that you've never been before. And sometimes trouble is good because then you have to figure out how to get out of trouble. So you learn something. Oh, definitely. <laughs> What's the etymology of the word instinct? I'm curious. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want me to look it up? Yeah, girl. Like inspire is like to breathe. It is, but what is Latin yeah. for, um, well, the origin is, um, but then it actually morphed into impulse, actually. Instinctus, which is the word for impulse. Interesting. So yeah, lots of excitement in the air. Rush into what you feel compelled to, um, but also, you know, you can still know that like, if you're in a space of like, I don't know, I don't know, like it's okay to be in there too. But again, I think after the 11th, we may start to all feel a little bit more like, whoa, okay, we're moving. Well, speaking of impulse, without thinking too much about it, let's head into this episode's Deep So in true Mars and Gemini spirit, we had so much fun on a Tarot Deep Dive Volume 1. We had to do a Volume 2. She's got to operate in dualities, yo. Yeah, we had initially wanted to do an episode about cards that really freak you out. But the way that we had uh, phrased that was hard cards. And people thought like you know, cards that I have a hard time understanding. And so that's what we did last episode. But this episode, we're going to start to talk about some scary cards. Ooh. And so we asked y'all, what cards do you find scary? And we got a lot of answers. Oh, yeah. People really jumped on that one. So we will probably be able to do more of these episodes because I just want to cover two maybe three, at most four cards in this episode. Mm -hmm. And of course, there were some 
greatest hits, right? Like people find the swords to be very scary. Oh yeah. There were a number of people who just said swords. Yeah. (laughs) And I just want to remind everybody that we have an episode about the swords of the tarot that I think does help to dispel, dispel some of the negative connotations around the suit of swords and also access the magic of swords. But we're certainly going to talk about the three of swords today. I mean, she was the clear She was the clear winner. winner. Yeah, <laughs> at least 10 people asked that we dive into the three of swords. And the other winner is the tower. Mm-hmm. And the tower is one of these cards that has a really, really bad reputation. And people really freak out about it. And I actually think that the tower is one of the coolest fucking cards in the deck. So I'm really excited to reclaim these two cards today and then maybe some others. We'll see. There were also some really interesting cards that people said were scary. I know, right? That we never thought were scary. Like the Ten of Pentacles being scary. The Wheel of Fortune. Being scary. Or even the Six of Cups being scary. So what we did was we pulled out all the cards that people had voted for and then we selected two of them. So if there's time, we'll get to those two cards that we selected. Otherwise, we'll save them for another episode. Yeah. Because frankly, I feel like I could talk about the Three of Swords and the Tower for a really long time. Well, let's get to it then. So let's just start by looking at the Three of Swords. Like what is happening in the card itself? And of course, I'm using the Rider Waite Smith deck because that is kind of the gold standard for images. Right. And so what we're looking at is a literal heart And it's being pierced by three swords. There's a really beautiful symmetry to the card with that center sword. And then the swords to the right and the left kind of crossing it in the middle. And the swords are puncturing the heart. The heart is kind of floating in the sky. And it's this very sort of like rainy thunderstorm landscape. So like as if it weren't bad enough that the heart's being stabbed by swords, it's also raining. Nothing about that card looks cute. It's also, I think, one of the like most known images in the tarot. Yeah, it's I would really say iconic. so. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting about this card is that it's one of only two cards in the entire tarot that don't have a person in it. Oh, right. Even the aces have a hand offering the cup, the pentacle, the sword, the wand. But it's the three of swords and the eight of wands. These are the only two cards in the tarot that don't have a person involved. So just that, I think, is a clue into what's going on here. And I think what that means is that this is bigger than us. It's bigger than just our personal heart, it's maybe the heart of humanity or the heart of the cosmos or our collective heart. And so that's what's really being pierced here. And actually interesting that the root of inspire is to prick because in some ways that's what's happening here. Totally. Is the heart is being pricked in some ways to respond So there are a lot of ways to interpret this card. Classically, it's interpreted as betrayal, as heartbreak. And of course, that makes sense why we might discern that from the image. But the way I look at the tarot and work with the tarot is that it's always trying to help us. It's always trying to lead us somewhere that is for our own good. And I think that the Three of Swords would suggest betrayal 
that you are perpetrating on yourself? How are you betraying yourself? And I think the answer is in the fact that it is a sword. It's not a cups card. It's a swords card. And swords are about the mind. They're about the stories we tell ourselves. And so what we're seeing here is an opportunity to notice how your mind betrays your heart. So there's a great quote by Pascal, which is, the heart has reasons of which reason knows nothing of. Meaning that your heart has crazy logic and your mind doesn't always understand it. In the same way that sometimes our first impulses are the best impulses, but then our mind has a second guess, has us question why, because we can't make sense of the logic behind it. And so sometimes the Three of Swords shows up just to say like, hey, your head isn't the answer. Your heart is. There's a return to our animal nature in the Three of Swords. Threes in the tarot, they're creation. They take us to the Empress, who is connected to the Earth, who is connected to passion. And so the Three of Swords creates a new way to be in relationship with our mind. And one way to be in relationship with our mind is to invite the heart into it. I think that in contemporary Western society, we think that the heart is supposed to serve the head. Like the head is the boss and the heart, like, you know, can make suggestions maybe, but like doesn't get to be driving the bus. But I really think the heart drives the bus and the head is there to help the heart get done what it needs to get done. Right. Well, that's such a like patriarchal mentality though, right? Because the heart is, you know, traditionally feminine. Right. Or the mind is like traditionally masculine in some ways. So to me, when the Three of Swords shows up in a reading, it's not like, watch out, somebody's about to betray you. It's actually like, hey, pay attention. You're about to see how you've been betraying yourself all along. Or it's an invitation to really listen to your heart and to pull the swords out one at a time. And then, yeah, there are wounds there. There are tender places, but those tender places are then opportunities for you to feel the heart more profoundly, more deeply. Sometimes the heart is like a friend you haven't talked to on the phone in a year. Like it's going to be a little stilted. Like it's going to take a little time before you get back into your old groove. Yeah. A couple things come to mind for me with it. Um, just hearing everything you're saying. Um, but then I also just like really looking at that image again. I feel like, yeah, there's always been a bit of a like a someone else has the power component to that, that someone else is doing something to you or did something to you, therefore, as opposed to you have power here to notice something or pay attention to something. And looking at that card, I find it interesting that the heart is very much the like traditional illustration of the heart, you know, kind of the cartoon emoji <laughs> version of the heart. Right. It's not like a literal heart. Yeah. So it's almost like the idea of love is what's being pierced by those swords. You know, again, the mind has created an idea of what should have happened, an idea of how to be loved or an idea of what they loved. And now it's, almost like a get real card you know it's like you need to kind of get real about what's about what you what you're loving or who you're loving why you're loving 
and like you said, kind of then like make a decision or, or, you know, have a realization off of around that or off of that. Yeah. Which I think is actually really well said because the three comes after the two and the two of sorts can sometimes feel like a stalemate, feel like an indecision. And so the three of swords might be propelling us to take some sort of action, but it may not be an action in the outer world. It might be an action about like, what am I letting into the heart? And this goes back to that universal heart idea that, that this heart is without a body because it's connected to all of us, which is how are we allowing ourselves to feel the unpleasantness of the world around us and the importance of that? I was talking about the value of sadness. I was writing about that more in relationship to the five of cups than the three of swords. But I think there's truth here as well, which is that we can't turn a blind eye. We need to let the world hurt us. We need to be vulnerable and sensitive and let our heart get broken so that it can then heal. But I will say a lot of this does still sound scary to people, right? <laughs> like, oh, so it's a, like my heart needs to break open card. Like how can people still like turn that card over and not immediately go, oh God. Well, I think first and foremost, just understand that it's an invitation into the heart. And that even though it is a swords card, it's actually suggesting that your mind has barred entry into your heart for some time. And this is a moment for you to return. I also think that the rain, even though we look at rain as being stereotypically negative, rain on a wedding is a blessing. Rain is cleansing. You know, to people that live in a desert or people that are, you know, really dependent on their agriculture to survive, rain is a gift from the gods. And so I think that the rain in this card is actually saying this is a blessing, even though it may not appear that way, even though it's a beautiful gift and ugly wrapping, there's a cleansing here. There's a renewal for your heart that's available. It's kind of like when you have a splinter, you can't heal until you get the splinter out, right? So this heart can't heal around these swords. We got to get these swords out. And then in the four of swords, which follows it, we're able to meditate on the swords. We're able to understand them more deeply. But first and foremost, it's like you have to undam your heart with sharp thoughts. You have to stop coming for yourself so critically, right? Like all the ways that we block ourselves from receiving our sensitivity. So yeah, I'm not going to like sit here and say like, it's the most fun card. <laughs> right. But I also think it's a card when it shows up that really can excite you because what's being communicated is that you're ready to be in the place of revelation to your heart. And that's a real value to be in that place. Yeah, it's like a, a gain clarity card, you know? Like, yeah, I'm distilling it down now to like time to gain some clarity on something or someone you love. And time to gain clarity like on your own heart mm -hmm. and what it is that you want. And I do think that it does relate back to like instinct too mm -hmm. and to impulse and to trusting your animal nature to some degree, that there is a wisdom there. It's like, you know, in, in meditation or visualization or things I often say, like first thought, best thought. Like the first thing that pops into your mind is sometimes the best thing because you haven't had a chance to judge it yet. 
or to dismiss it as foolish. Yeah, yeah. And so those are what these swords are doing. They're dismissing the heart as foolish. And again, it goes back to this idea of crazy logic, which is really exciting, that if we were just to trust the heart and the crazy logic of the heart, we might find that we get somewhere a lot faster than if we follow the traditional steps that the ego and the logical mind would lay out for us. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I think that's helpful. Yeah. And the last thing I would just say is that your heart is the mainframe computer into which all of your intuition plugs in. So mm. it's like if you want access to clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, if you want to be able to predict the future, if you want to be able to feel what's going on with other people, you need access to your heart because it all gets transmitted through your heart. So if your heart is closed down to you, if your heart is blocked, you're not going to be able to be in touch with your gifts. Yeah, you're frozen when your heart's not open. Okay, Madonna. I'm just saying. And so pulling out these swords, you know, is really important because it opens you up to have access. I mean, the three of wands is all about that openness of your psychic gifts, a portal, an ability to vision in a way that you haven't been able to vision before. The Three of Cups is about vulnerability and the presence of people that love you deeply that can reflect you back to yourself. The Three of Pentacles is about like taking a stand for like what you're good at, you know? So why is the Three of Swords the only one that feels so harsh when all the other threes are so magnificent. And it's again, it's because what the mind can do, you know, the mind can keep creating thoughts. Three is this creation. It can just keep going out of the one comes the two out of the two comes the three out of the three come the 10,000 things. So out of the three of swords can come 10,000 thoughts that keep you awake at night, like the nine of swords, you know, three times three, or the creation that can come out of these swords is a return to the heart, is recognizing the limits of the mind, that they are limited. Mm -hmm. But the heart is not, which is also a reason why the heart is not connected to a person and why it's not a literal heart. It's the image of a heart that is unlimited and unbound. And so I love that, the unbound heart. That's the three of swords. That's something to be excited about and not afraid of. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let's talk about the tower. Oh, here we go, kids. So again, let's start with the image, okay? So we're looking at a tower. It's perched on a rocky cliff. A bolt of lightning has struck the top of it so that the literal crown of the tower has been flung off to the left. The windows of the tower have caught on fire. It's a dark night. There are gray clouds in the background. And two figures, a man and a woman, are being thrown from the tower to the rocky cliffs below. And on the left and the right of the tower are these little sparks of fire that we actually can understand look like the Hebrew letter Yud. So that's what's happening here. It's pretty dramatic, definitely not an experience you would want to raise your hand for. Now let's just take a moment and remember where the tower falls in the journey of the major arcana, right? Comes right after the devil, comes right before the star. And if we remember our three lines of the tarot, then the tower sits beneath the hermit and beneath the high priestess. So to me, when I really reflect on the true nature of the tower, it sits in relationship with the hermit and the high priestess. And so that in and of itself reclaims the tower a little bit, because who doesn't love the high priestess? Who doesn't love the 
the magic and the teaching and the inner knowledge of the hermit. So here's what's happening in the tower. The veil is being ripped away. It is a card of tremendous liberation. Because this tower would not be able to live for very much longer on this eroding cliff face. It was going to fall eventually. So first and foremost, I always think about that Oprah quote where she talks about how like God speaks to you in a whisper. Uh-huh. And if you don't listen to the whisper, then God like, you know, speaks to you in a regular voice. And then if you don't listen, God speaks to you in a shouting voice. And then if you don't listen, God throws a brick at your head. Mm-hmm. This would be the God throwing a brick at your head moment. Like you had an opportunity to change some things to liberate yourself. It seems as though you're going to stay in this false yet comfortable prison forever. So in the interest of your liberation and your growth, we're about to take it away from you. Now, of course, not necessarily pleasant because we love our prisons, even if they're false, because they're comfortable. And so the tower represents a moment in the process of your own evolution where it's time to leave the nest. What's interesting is to observe that In the major arcana, the figures, the man and the woman, are always the high priestess and always the magician. And up until this point, uh, the man has always been on the right side of the card, and the woman has always been on the left side of the card. But in the tower, they switch places. And then moving forwards in judgment, they keep these places. So there's this inversion that's happening in the tower. That like, we only think that the woman can be on the left and the man can be on the right. But when we come to see what's behind the veil, all of a sudden we realize that there's a whole new possibility. The tower's kind of like that biblical idea that anyone who would see the face of God would be destroyed by it. This sense that like there are powers so much greater than our own comprehension that to experience them really fucks us up but not in a bad way, in a good way, because we're being liberated from all of our filters and perceptions. Uh, There's also this sense that we're only perceiving a limited amount of what's actually going on, right? Like our brain just filters in the information that is useful and that there's so much else going on. And if we were to be aware of everything else, we wouldn't be able to live our lives. We'd be immobile, you know? And that's kind of what happens with the tower is it just takes away that that sluice, that filter. And so all of a sudden you're presented with all of reality at once. And it happens, you know, as card number 16, because we're prepared for it now. We're prepared to experience what's behind the veil. We're prepared to come face to face with the divine, with the unconscious. And these yuds, and these little sparks, the letter Yud is one of the four letters that composes the Tetragrammaton, which is the four-letter name of God, which is sometimes pronounced as Yahweh. It's Yud, He, Vuv, He. And Yud is a cosmic letter because it floats above the line. And Yud is connected to that like spark of creation. And so in the tower, we're being reconnected to the spark of creation. And there's 10 on one side and 12 on the other. And 10 is how we organize ordinary reality, 10 fingers, 10 toes, 10 planets. But 12 is how we organize non-ordinary reality, the 12 signs of the zodiac, the 12 archetypes. And so in the tower, we're getting both. So yeah, the tower is a scary card if you're really committed to staying asleep for the rest of your life. 
the tower is a really scary card if you're like, no, 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 blue pill for me only. The tower is a really awesome card if you are wanting revelation, if you're wanting the red pill, if you're wanting to wake up and be liberated into reality as the goddess would have you experience it. Yeah, the word that came to mind for me was confrontation. And people don't respond well usually to confrontation, right? And it feels like there's some confrontation energy in the tower. Like you have to confront something directly. You know, you have to confront the reality of a situation. Yeah, everything else has been kind of stripped away. And now it's like, oh, this is literally what's going on. Yeah. And... Well, the reality is confronting you. Right, exactly. So the idea of what's on the other side of that confrontation usually is clarity. And release. And release. Exactly. Relief (laughs) in some ways. So Rachel Pollack talks about how the tower is the male orgasm and the star is the female orgasm. And something we know about orgasms is that they are release And they also are a place of connection to the divine. I think the the fact that the tower is being struck by lightning is really important, right? Like to be struck by lightning was one sign that indigenous people would be initiated as a shaman. Um, We can think about the Buddha sitting under the tree. What? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just thought of the idea that Having an orgasm sometimes is like being struck by lightning. No, exactly. Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. It's this thing that you can't control, and all of a sudden you're changed by it. Just shaken. Yeah, and then on the other side of that orgasm, there's also like the revelation that like, oh, maybe I'm not really into that person. I was just like caught up in the heat of the lust. <laughs> right. You know? The lights turn back on. Or there's a deepening of relationship, and you're like, wow, I'm really committed to this being. And so the lightning bolt is that act of like kind of instantaneous enlightenment, like the Buddha. This moment of like, all of a sudden I was asleep and now I'm awake. And what am I going to do with that? And sometimes being awake can be really fucking painful. Oh my God. The tower card is that moment at the ni- at the end of the night at the club when the lights all turn on. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It totally is. But there's also a liberation from that too, because the guy that you were really into actually turns out to be like, mm, just like everybody else. Right. Or- And you get to go outside and get some fresh air. Yeah, totally. Then you get to go to the sidewalk sale. <laughs> totally. But the tower comes after the devil because we're being released from the grip of materialism, right? And one of the old ways that the tower was written about because they would call the devil the house of the devil. The tower was the house of God. It's the house of God. It's not a card that's here to punish you. It's a card that's here to take you back to the source of all things. And that can be really, really jarring, uh, depending on how indoctrinated into reality, in quotation marks, you've become. Which is why you then need the star and the moon and the sun to help you make sense of this really intense revelation. I think in some ways, the whole major arcana leads to this moment, leads to the tower. And then what happens after the tower is our means of understanding and integrating and reconciling it. And we asked for it. You know, the idea of 
enlightenment and all the occult traditions around it is that you can call down the bolt of lightning with enough study and enough meditation or enough mushrooms, you can get to a place where you get struck by lightning. And so if we've engaged in the journey of the major arcana in some ways, be they conscious or unconscious, we've wanted this. And so now it's here. Yeah. It's just be careful what you wish for because your spiritual eyes might have been bigger than your spiritual stomach, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, you'll have time to digest. So we, we have our tea, we're sitting there, we're pulling our cards uh -huh. and we flip over and it's the, it's the tower. Uh-huh. You can, you can how, look to that now instead of getting like gasping, you can go, oh. How is life conspiring in this day to liberate me? Right. And so, yeah, it could be that that's the day that like your phone stops working because life is conspiring to liberate you from your phone, mm -hmm. you know? Or it could be the day that you just wake up and you just go, I don't have to do it this way anymore. There's so much more than what I've been told to pay attention to. Right. Because you are what you pay attention to. And then over time, that just becomes more and more narrow-minded. It's interesting, you know, we are in the Omer, which Mark Horn talked about, right? Those 50 days um, after Passover, where we're literally the Israelites and we're in the desert and we're leaving Egypt, which is Mitzrayim, which is the narrow place, right? So we are now being liberated from the narrow place. And the tower is that liberation. But the narrow place can also be really comfortable too. It's like the womb. Like who wants to leave the narrow place sometimes, right? <laughs> right. Like, well, I know who I was. I know what was expected of me. It's like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, right? Right. But that's no way to live. And I remember hearing this from Marcella Kroll, who's a really fabulous intuitive um, she said that one of her tarot teachers talked about the tower as the limo ride, mm. which is mm -hmm. like, honey, uh -huh. goddess is at the wheel now. So just sit in the back and pop some champagne and just let life take you where it's trying to take you. Stop resisting. You're in the limo now. <laughs> and I would just say that with both of these cards, the tower or the three of swords, if they come in upside down, it's one of two things. It's either a softer experience it's a gentler tower. It's a gentler awareness of the heart and how you've been betraying the heart. Or it's your pretty profound resistance to it. You're like, well, I'm only going to wake up 50%. I'm only going to feel into the heart 50%. In which case, you need to be really careful because you're prolonging the inevitable. Right. They say when you're going through hell, keep going. Don't sit down. Don't like throw a tantrum. Don't wonder what you're doing there. Definitely don't have a drink. Just keep moving forwards. And if you need to throw a tantrum and you need to wonder what you're doing there, do so as you continue to make your way out of hell. So if the tower or the three of swords shows up, make sure that you're really eyes wide open so that, you know, these places that can be amazing and revelatory and liberatory, but also painful don't have to go on longer than necessary. But the tower's really, it's not scary. It's really only scary if you like want to be a zombie sheep for the rest of your life. Well, and you are afraid of change because it's such a destruction of structure, right? Yes. In your life. And if you're like, oh, but I just don't want to have to like do it differently. Well, too you late, know? honey. Because you, cause you've known, if the tower shows up, you've known that you have been invited to do it differently for some time and you've just been stubborn AF. Right. And so now it's like, okay, girl, well, 
the moment you've been waiting for has arrived. It's time to lip sync for your life. Yes. Cue Strong Enough by Cher. Um, all right. Anything else you want to share on that one? I think the one thing we haven't mentioned about the tower is its planetary correspondence, which is that usually it relates to Mars, which we've kind of been talking about a little bit this episode. And the tower is 16, and 16 adds up to 7, 6 plus 1, which puts us in relationship with the chariot. And the chariot is all about how we assert our will, right? How, like, we decide. And then there's something in the tower that's not so much about, like, how we decide, but how we respond. And I think Mars is also the principle of reaction, right? We were talking about like impulse and instinct and Mars kind of suggests like how you react to what's happening to you. And so the tower is your opportunity to choose how you're going to react to what's being revealed to you. And there's a lot of people that can keep pulling the tower and keep covering their eyes. So I just think it's interesting to realize that like the Three of Swords we were talking about, both of these cards do compel us to action in some degree. Like, what's the action you're going to take now that you know, now that you feel? And what sort of trouble are you going to get into since Mars rules how we get into trouble? All right, well, I I feel like we gave good extensive thoughts on the two big hitters that people wanted us to, to connect on. But obviously there's many more we could do, but we can... You know, we titled these volume numbers for a reason. We can revisit and have another volume to this series. And I think we should. Yeah, I think we can do a lot more of these episodes because there are clearly cards that we could, you know, talk a lot about, you know, like I could talk about the tower for like two hours, honestly, like there's a lot of other stuff we could get into. But I think it's these kind of like surface understandings of the cards that freak people out because there's context and yeah you know, a whole history of what the card means that can really help reclaim it. Like just thinking of the tower as the house of God, you know, like that's so much better. Just knowing that, right? Like, oh, I'm being invited into the house of the goddess. She's going to pour me some tea. She's going to give me some cookies. She's going to read my cards. So speaking of which, we should probably pull a card. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give it to the children's. So just take a moment, drop in. Connecting to the cards by listening to the sound of them being shuffled. And just knowing that this card will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. The Four of Wands. The Four of Wands is such a beautiful card because it's a structure that is so open and so free. It's just these four wands that create um, essentially what is a chuppah, which is like a little marriage house, essentially. Um, And they're open on all four sides and open on top. And so it's like a structure that allows spirit in. And so the four of wands actually shows up, fours being foundations, wands being the things in our life which spark spirit sexuality, creativity. It's a place to actually understand and respect how far you've come to receive your own progress, which actually requires us to be very open. I don't know if you notice this, like maybe you're a Leo, but everybody else like has trouble accepting compliments, has trouble receiving their progress. It's a lot easier to attach to the critical things, to attach to what's wrong. And if we're always reaching for the next thing, if we're never able to just sit and receive how far we've come, we're always going to be a little dissatisfied. So the Four of Wands generally shows up when it's time to take a moment to put yourself on pause and to realize that the life you're living in some ways is a life that you dreamed of living a long time ago. 
even if it's not perfect, even if there are things you want to change, there are things that were once just a dream or a goal that you have achieved. And it's so easy to go like, yeah, 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 I did that. But what's next? And it's like, no, 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 stop. You had a vision. You brought that vision to fulfillment. Receive it. Receive your progress. Because if you don't receive your progress, you don't fully metabolize it. You can't use it as fuel to get you to the next jump. So throw yourself a little party. Pat yourself on the back. Notice how far you've come. And be careful that you're not using a criteria informed by capitalism or external results to judge how far you've come, you know, like celebrate your healing, celebrate your self-acceptance, celebrate the expansiveness of your identity, celebrate your connection. Because if you don't give yourself permission to celebrate yourself and the work that you've done, you're just always going to be working. Here, here. Yeah, I would add, just celebrate your existence. And we here celebrate your existence. Girl, we're throwing you a party right now. Thank you for listening, for uh, supporting us, uh, and for probably telling somebody you love about us, because I feel like a lot of you do, and I appreciate that. And if you haven't, maybe consider doing it. Yeah, exactly. We haven't done the whole, the old chestnut of leave us a review or a five-star rating. But if you haven't done that and you're new to all this, please go over to the iTunes, the Apple Podcasts and do that because it definitely helps us out. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, just feel free to, you know, share us in whatever ways you feel comfortable doing. We're almost to our three-year anniversary of doing this podcast. Which is bananas. Yeah, we're two months out for yeah. our three-year anniversary. Yeah, girl. And some of y'all have been with us since, since the, the beginning. Jump. And some of you all who found us later have then gone back because you've told me and listened to all of the old episodes, which, I mean, I don't know how. I Thank God. That we must have lovely voices because people just want to keep listening. I guess so. I don't I know. I appreciate it. But, um, but we're so grateful for all of you. Yes. And I uh, can't wait for the day we get to greet you in person with a big old sloppy hug. And if you have ideas for episodes, um, feel free to suggest that to us. Um, we certainly have some spirit talks coming up, which yeah. I'm really excited to share with y'all for these next couple episodes. But then we'll be back just you and the two of us. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the two of us, we finally did something, which is we created a reading. Oh, we did. That we do together. Because yeah. for a long time, people were like, I can see that like I can book a reading with you or I can book a reading with Angel. But like, would y'all ever consider giving a reading together? And we have considered it and we've figured it out and it's now available. It is. So if that's something you'd like to gift yourself, if you want to deep dive with both of us at the same time, <laughs> Maybe even Noche, although he's a little bit more elusive. Right. Just know that that offering is on our website as well. Yeah, I know. Those will be fun. We call it the spiritual gaze experience. <laughs> our nod to Lalari, who offered the Lalari experience on this past season of Drag Race. God is um, blessed, Lalari. I know. But um, 
But of course, you can find out everything about us at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at spiritual at the spiritual gaze, uh, Facebook as well, Twitter at just spiritual gaze, um, and then uh, yeah, you can always email us uh, at the spiritual gaze at gmail.com if you need to hit us up for something. So stay tuned for more magic for our logo reveal. I don't know when that's going to happen, but we're getting closer. You guys, it's so fucking cool. I can't wait to share it with y'all. And until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game. With a Z.